Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, hello, fantastic, marvelous, beautiful citizens of planet Earth. What a privilege and honor to be with you today. I hope that wherever you are in the world, you're doing fantastic. And I'm sending you a massive hug through the airwaves. This marks episode 300 of the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. And who else to do a show with than Native American elder David Lone Bear Senapas. This is a fantastic episode. It's an awesome milestone. I never thought I'd get to episode 300. I didn't know what I was doing, but we are here and uh, we have an amazing show for you today. So in this one, we talk about uh, understanding the Mi'kmaq people, uh, peace, Shag Harbor, and UFOs. So we cover a lot in this. We talk about the Shag Harbor incident, which is well-documented. UFO event um, off the coast of Nova Scotia, where David and a lot of Mi'kmaq reside. We talk about um, Unfound's Pyramids. How do you know if it's a real UFO event? How do we get to world peace, understanding the Mi'kmaq people, um, why there's a difference between community and democracy, a Native American view of Independence Day, and so much more. So you're going to love this episode. I hope that you enjoy it. If you want to help and support and celebrate episode 300 please leave a review on itunes if you haven't done that already that helps immensely share episodes tag me on instagram at matt belair take screenshots tag in your story do all that kind of stuff it helps immensely but the best thing that you can do if you really want to support is do one kind act today or even better take the kindness challenge do three kind acts a day go out of way out of your way to do it and resist the urge to tell anybody Do this for a week. Ideally, you can keep it going, uh, but you may experience a universal wink. Something strange will happen. The universe just giving you a wink, letting you know that you're on the right track. So that's the best way you can support the show. I want to thank all of my patrons. It helps immensely. You can go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair. Toss a buck in the bucket. Something you don't even think about. It helps so much. And I want to thank Ed Marino. Thank you so much, Ed. It helps tremendously. I very Uh, much appreciate your support. For those of you guys who are interested in coaching and you're experiencing either a transformation, you want to really connect to your life purpose, your heart's mission, something very inspiring, and you want to break through limiting beliefs and program and design your dream life, your preferred reality, and do it with an unstoppable mindset. You can apply for coaching and I would happily help you out. There are sessions and mentorship that starts as little as a hundred dollars. Um, And I'm coming up with new systems to help anybody of any budget in some way move them forward. Uh, My one-on-one time is obviously very valuable, but I can also do, I figured out a way to really help people and engage in the processes because it's really like an effective workout program. I can't do everything for you, but I can give you these guidelines and these principles and these tools and these resources to really move you forward. And if you have an organization and you're part of a team and you want to do some group training, you want to do some team training, anything around mindset, peak performance, group leadership, anything like that, management, 
hit me up, matt at zenathlete.com. Would love to learn more about who you are, what you do, what your team's up to, and work with you. So that wraps that up. Um, And I think that I'll sponsor episode 300 with the Zen Athlete book. It is a guide to self-mastery. You do not need to be an athlete. You can just be a regular human being um, and learn the principles of self-mastery and apply them to entrepreneurship, art, business, life, sport, anything. And there's a full program at uh, zenathlete.com as well if you know any coaches yoga instructors people who work with kids happy to help them out send the program because this stuff really will change the game for youth and it'll change your life if you pick a goal and use the tools in there to achieve that goal because it really is a science of peak performance manifestation and everything that i have learned as far as mindset performance and all of the esoteric things just not written in an esoteric way so it can be grasped by the kids so that's it i've talked enough i'm so excited to get into this incredible episode with david lone bear Pass. so let's come to a state of peace and coherence almost forgot about that so wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and just let it out slowly, filling every cell, every muscle, and every fiber of your being with joy, peace, contentment, empowerment, inspiration, enthusiasm, and ready to take on this amazing episode with David Lone Bear Senapas. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest needs no introduction. He is my friend, Megamon Native American, David Lone Bear Senapas. Welcome to the show, David. Good, good morning, Matt. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I think I'm doing good. Um, it's a nice fall day here today. A little bit of windy. Uh, the leaves are starting to, uh, they haven't really turned completely, but there's a nice color out there. I was there out there this morning. It's beautiful. Nice. Well, I don't know. We're going to get into a lot of things today. We're going to talk a little bit about the Bloom Project, uh, some of the projects you go, you have going on. Um, some of them I don't know. Am I allowed to talk about the one that's up in Canada with the city that starts with M? Oh, we can talk about that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then also, what's with the Stargate video behind you? Uh, Stargate video. Uh, my, that's my screensaver. Looks cool. Uh, yeah. Supposedly a screen. Yeah. It's a screen. Yeah, it's a screensaver. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like some some sort of uh, technical magic going on there. Um, okay, so where where do we want to begin? Do you? I know you. There's been a lot too. I've been posting on Ancient Echoes. I know the balloon project. You said it has uh, sensors on it, so if something goes flying by or or bump in the night or something, it kind of picks it up. And there's a lot of. I started going on Reddit groups with UFO sightings, things like that, and and doing some more research, and also came up with the Falcon Lake incident, and that one corresponded with the Shag Harbor incident uh, on this, in the same year, right? Yes, same year, yeah. And uh, a little bit more, uh, Shag Harbor was a little bit more documented. Um, a lot of the documentation uh, was from Shag Harbor, but the, uh, five days before and about two months after, uh, the events were still kind of happening in Shag Harbor. And, um, and that's, you can find that online. I was looking up for that the other day, and I found a lot of the old newspaper articles that was um, posted. Uh, it's, it's, it's funny what, when people uh, claim to see something and you, the newspaper article comes out and they're saying a whole different story than Shag Harbor. So uh, you wonder what's going on there. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, th- uh, that there is a, a, a quite an incident in, in Canadian history. And uh, a lot of that is um, still being debated today. 
Interesting. And, uh, you know, Brian Francis was hitting me up before, you know, before we started wondering why, because we were a little bit late, but he's been posting some interesting things too. He posted something about a whale story uh, yeah. a few months back that I found fascinating. And then something um, recent about uh, star, the star being in connection and being in that part of the world. There's, there's a lot of history there in Nova Scotia and in that part of the world. And he was even telling me about some sort of ancient city that was uh, forget the ancient there's Atlantis that was supposed to be the golden city but there was a city that I had never heard about that's also in myth around that area that was another golden city do you remember what the name of that was I don't know what the name of that was um, I'm sure that we can find it but I'm familiar with that <clears throat> that city um, uh, supposedly was here 10,000 to 20,000 years ago and it was a city of, um, of um, um, of course, they say it's gold, gold wealth, but they had uh, uh, knowledge uh, of the stars and of different planets. And, and, and they, a lot of people say it was a base traveling back and forth to different um, star dimensions. Yeah, I, I read that a long time ago. I must have read that in one of the uh, tabloids um, about 20 years ago. So that's, that's funny that he brings it up again. <laughs> Well, one of the things that I had, I had heard, you know, in, in, the, in the world of looking up UFOs and disclosures and things like that, like that uh, the Earth was apparently kind of like Grand Central Station where people would find it and kind of bounce off. And the, you had talked about it on one of the previous episodes, uh, the, the big, I'm blanking on the name, but the big animal things in Peru that are like those landing strips. Yeah. They're, they're, they're miles, miles long. What is that called again? Uh, Nazca lines. Yes, the Nazca lines. So you'd spoken a little bit about that. Do you, do you, what are the Nazca lines? Can you share anything about those things? Well, there's a lot of uh, debate out there what they are. And um, a lot of the um, people say they now they're, they're uh, astrological readings of the stars. But I, I could never get them to line up, you know, because I've studied them uh, a lot and trying to figure out what they are. They say, well, it's part of a ceremony. You know, they walk these lines and different ceremonies. And yeah, that's a, that's a little bit more than uh, 68,000 miles of lines that you have to walk. So that's a, that's a lot of walking there. Um, and they said the ancient runways. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been there and been into that desert. Um, if you look from the air, it looks pretty smooth. Uh, but when you get down to the surface, it's pretty rough. There's boulders, rocks. Um, so if you're going to try to land the aircraft there, you, you probably wouldn't be landing too well. <laughs> So I couldn't really find any that was um, that was uh, smooth enough to uh, land on. There was a couple of ones you can land a, um, a prop plane on, but if anything fast, you couldn't land. Um, they might be um, astronomical um, signs, but uh, made back um, way back when. Uh, because right now our star alignment, we keep on thinking our star alignment is the same, but it changes every you know, 4,800 years. It changes slightly. and you know, 10,000 years ago, the star alignment was different than now. They have computer programs uh, that kind of goes back to 10,000 years. And I can get some of those to line up somewhat, but that culture has been gone for thousands, thousands of years. And all that, uh, most of all that uh, history is gone. So uh, when we talk about the Nazca lines, we're talking about more theory than practical. Uh, that was practical. <clears throat> I am heading back there. Uh, hopefully soon, uh, because there's a lot of them. Um, um, when I was there before, I, I got I was only there for three days, so I didn't get very many measurements. So 
So I want to go back there for about a week and try to just camp out in the desert because there's a lot more there. Uh, you see the, the lines that, that's on the YouTube and stuff, but there's other things there that, um, that I want to go look at, um, especially the, the magnetic um, readings. Uh, that was hardly ever done back then. Now I can do accurate magnetic readings of, of different um, uh, viewpoints and lines. Uh, that, and I want to go back to Stonehenge and do the same thing. Uh, a couple of the, the sites around the, I want to do a magnetic um, reading in Egypt uh, of the pyramids. So, and because if we can figure that out, um, because right now there's uh, two more pyramids uh, missing, um, but they're probably buried in all that sand. So remember how they found Giza. So it was almost buried. Well, it was discovered, but they found some of the other king's tombs, they were buried. And there's more things out there buried. And if I can get some magnetic readings, I can probably point you in the direction of another pyramid. That'd be mm. cool. <laughs> that is fascinating. Yeah. I remember when I went to Egypt with the Resonant Science Foundation, I learned a lot that I did not know. And uh, one of the things that, one of the analogies one of the guides put, it was like, it's almost like a, an iceberg where you see the pyramids on top, but there's actually a lot more stuff underneath. Yeah. There's actually way, way more. There's these tunnels that aren't accessed to the public. One of the, you know, actually I'll share it now. One of the guides was telling me this story. We, we had asked him on the bus, one of the craziest things that he had ever experienced. And he said that him and his friends, when they were younger, they were going around these tunnels when they quote unquote, maybe weren't supposed to. And they found these like little jelly balls. Okay. And they pick up these little jelly type ball things. And they're like, Oh, what the heck is this? <laughs> and the guy goes, I don't know why. I still, I know it's terrible. I know it's terrible, but he had to sneeze and he sneezed and the balls that they were holding went everywhere. They went off of the, whatever they're holding them on. And then apparently as they landed on the ground, they all came back together immediately, kind of like magnets and yeah. they were kind of shocked. And then they said they held the balls up. And the weirdest thing about them was there was no reflection. They had like a, like a, something with them, like a mirror and they didn't show up on the mirror. And he's just like, we gave them we gave them to the uh, Egyptian em embassy or whatever the case was the the Arche archaeological society and we never saw them again. Um, hmm. But we were also worried about getting in trouble. So that's some interesting stuff. So you know I heard some very fascinating stories and also that there could be just so much undiscovered stuff. And then there's a lot of history about under the Sphinx's paw too, something under there. And when we were there, they said only about twenty percent of Giza was actually excavated that you have to get rights for it and they're just not doing it they're just they're like nope we're not going under there but why would you not what what is under there yeah uh, um back probably about 10 years ago when i did have access to a satellite um that i i took pictures of, of the desert and you can see ancient roads underneath the desert that, that shows up through the, the sand and a um, couple other structures in the desert itself that sand is constantly moving in a couple of places uh, right near Giza, probably about 20 miles out into that desert uh, near the Nile. There's, they, they figure out there's another structure there. And they've been trying to years to um, get permission to excavate it. And um, the government hasn't uh, approved it yet. But that should be interesting because right where some of them, um, those um, magnetic lines show up because uh, Giza shows up as a big magnetic flux on, on, on the satellite. So you can actually see the magnetic lines coming off of it if you have a sense enough equipment.
So, but uh, since then they kind of um, uh, denied my access to any satellites anymore. So it costs you thousands of dollars. There's one satellite that you, do, you just um, uh, put a request in and they let you use it. But now you can't do that anymore. It's all about money now. <laughs> Hmm. Well, you know, there's a lot of questions that I always have personally, and I know that you're always working on a lot of things. You are incredibly busy. You work incredibly hard. You're always traveling, usually, you know, in the car for hours and hours at a time. You're going to be traveling to London. You have a lot of projects going on. So what would you like to discuss today? I want you to steer well, rather than me. Well, um, I think London is coming up next week, and uh, we, we'll be traveling there, and uh, we'll be uh, going over to the teach. But um I'm, I'm interested in the, the, uh, meet some of the people over there because there's a lot of things over there that uh, we need to look at. And right now that we're going over on business, so we have a four-day bumper-to-bumper uh, -bumper, uh, talks and teachings and stuff like that. So I don't, I'm not going to have very much time to uh, go out anywhere, which I want to. Um, maybe we can arrange another trip. And of course, you know, all this costs money and trying to raise money to get there. And um, we've been doing that, uh, but there's some of the other projects out there that even if we had two or three other people, the uh, scientists or engineers that can uh, accompany us out there that's from that country, maybe to help us a little bit, that'd be really good. I mean, that's what we've been looking for. And uh, looking right where we are in London, so we're going to be in London, uh, on the outskirts of London, uh, the last... Uh, few uh, weeks there's been a lot of uh, activities of UFOs and things like that so I was trying to look online to find it but I haven't found it yet um, a lot of my communications are not through YouTube I use a shortwave radio um, Morse code to communicate with uh, pretty well all the countries around the world Australia depending on what night it is but um, I can communicate I can do that right from my truck so um, and there's a lot of sightings on that and um, some I wanted to be able to launch a couple of the balloons in that area, uh, but my balloons fly over there anyway. When I launch them, uh, probably within 12 to 15 hours, they pass right over, uh, depending on what the, the wind drift is, right over London and Germany and parts of Russia. So, and they go right around the earth. So I've been working on that and working on uh, trying to just to get back there again and just have some free time to work. And of course, my, my schedule is just, just crazy. And it's, it's strange too, because it's like, um, uh, this week uh, we had a chance to um, uh, work a little bit here. I had a talk um, yesterday in, um, in Portland to a, a, a second grade group. That was good. And we were down in Washington DC uh, last week. So I'm, I'm trying to work as, fast as I can possibly work when I'm home, but the, my schedule is like I'm, I'm in the air quite a lot. So if I can get a plane, I'll buy that. Yeah. 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 You're definitely really busy and, and, and uh, a teleporter would be even better. Well, I'm still I working. I've been that. wanting one of those. Yeah. Still working on that. Oh, good. Well, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of questions that I have in general. Like, you know, with your your high altitude balloons, we're going to be doing a documentary with some of the people that you met at Dimensions of Disclosure. Uh, they're helping yeah. out uh, quite a big deal. How how does one discern whether it's a, it's a real sighting or it's a fake sighting? And and how do you you know what's what's on the? You said you're thinking about releasing some of that balloon stuff. 
Um, how, how does someone tell the difference? Cause especially when I went on Reddit and looked at all the sightings, I don't know if, if it's, uh, you know, what you can do with drones now. Now there's also, I don't know if you've heard of Project Bluebeam, but yeah, you know, yeah. the theory about Project Bluebeam is they're going to make this, uh, you know, fake UFO landing or fake this. And the thing is the holograms are pretty darn good now. Who knows what could be going on in the deep state. So on the conspiracy side, you've got like the deep state and all of that craziness and the global elite kind of thing. And then on just the regular UFO stuff, you've got people using CGI and all this type of stuff. So I get confused looking at all. Then when I do research, I always come back to him like, okay, well, the pyramids are here and we have these ancient structures that are here that are so incredibly old with indigenous stories of star people. That's, you know, there's, there's common floods. If you read Graham Hancock's book, I haven't read America before yet, but his other ones talk about flood story and these indigenous myths of people coming down and, and helping um, are pretty congruent all over the world. So then I'm like, something must have happened or there must be some sort of history that we're unaware of. So can you speak on any of that? Yeah, I start with the UFO thing. That's a lot of questions. I would try to answer yeah, most of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, I get this question a lot. Um, people say, well, I took a picture of a UFO. Um, you probably did. Uh, UFOs and a flying object. They have a different terminology now. But uh, get to use logic. Um, and that sometimes that logic goes over people's head and it's like, no, I seen a UFO. I actually seen a UFO. So you go out any night of the week, even on a cloudy day, um, you are going to see some lights whatsoever, some lights flashing, some lights not, not flashing, some bright lights, depending on what you are looking for. You're going to find it. Um, but the, using logic, would you go to California, drive, uh, say, from Maine to California? and drive around at night with your lights on and go home. Uh, why, why would you do that? Um, you know, uh, maybe uh, if, if this uh, UFOs are advanced way beyond, do they want us to see them? Um, whoop, I forgot to turn, uh, my lights are turned on. Whoops, we're on a different planet. Uh, why are my lights, turn off the lights so they don't see us. Uh, that's one way to think about it. Um, you think of uh, the fighter aircraft. How many fighter aircraft do you see during the day? We have thousands of them. Um, if you're near a base, you're gonna see a lot of them, of course. Um, and most of them have their running lights on. Uh, and what their running lights are on is they flash off and on, indicating they're there. And uh, usually they were, um, the, the um, airplane, the commercial aircraft is a second and a half. You go one, kind of second and a half. And they have uh, blue and red. So indicating they're uh, passenger aircraft. And uh, a fighter aircraft, uh, it flashes a little bit faster. It flashes one, more of a one-tenth of a second. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And the reason why is to identify them in the air. Uh, most fighter aircraft, uh, if they're uh, are flying um, to a mission or uh, stealth, they, turn their, they have permission to turn their running lights off. That means you can't see them. They're flying by radar or by infrared or something like that. So you don't see, you don't even see the, um, the fire coming out of the, uh, out of the exhaust. Uh, you can pick it up as a thermal camera, as a heat signature, but as a, to the naked eye, you can't see that. You know, even if it goes by you, it's going by supersonic, it goes by you first and uh, two seconds later, the sound follows it. So indicating something was there. Now, I'm trying to determine the reason why a UFO would leave their lights on. 
um, maybe that uh, they want you to see them uh, and to uh, to say that there, but they've been doing that for thousands of years, and, and our our perspective of the UFOs has not changed. They come from a, a world far away, a galactic, and they're flying around here with their lights on, and they want us to see them. Um, you know, what are they? Um, the picture I just seen up um, North Carolina, uh, looking uh, at those pictures, as much as I can determine, there are sodium lights. Yeah, I don't know if you know what that is. Uh, different lights give off different signatures. Um, the old light bulbs uh, that are in your, in your, um, that you have with the filament, uh, they, they usually uh, have an indicator, a light signature to them, brighter or less, that light signature is like a rainbow. It, it's, it's, it's a key point what that is. Um, neon lights have different gases that set off uh, different wavelengths. So that's all, this is all measurable. Uh, if you look it up, you can find this out on, online. So even the drones, uh, people send me pictures of the drones and they look, they look great. Uh, but when I put them through my scrubber and analyzing them, I'm coming up with uh, LED lights. And LED lights has a signature on, and, um, and, and I can tell you what that signature is. I'm, if I'm, even if I'm looking at a screenshot, my, my computer can analyze what that light is to a certain point. Um, and, uh, and, and it tells me, is, is, um, well, maybe the UFOs are using LED lights, but it's more possibility that LED lights is from a drone because most of those have LED lights on them because the other bulbs are too heavy for them. So does that uh, burst your bubble? No, that shouldn't burst your bubble. It should be able to say, you're trying to identify it. Uh, and if you can identify what that light source is, you can pretty well identify what that is. But because for most people, they're looking with their eye. They're making that determination with their eye what that is. And if it's a bunch of lights together over the water, uh, then they, they, they can't identify it. It's a UFO, it's somebody out of space. Uh, possibilities, but uh, more possibilities, there's a lot more people. I don't know why people want to do this, is that to prank the UFOs, you know. Um, I must have found 40 or 50 people uh, doing that online the, the last two months. Well, why do we do that? Uh, because we want to think something is real. As a scientist, I, I do want to know it's real, but I want to know it's, if it's really real. I mean, I, I see that all the different things, especially when the luminaries came out, the candles uh, with the light in, and, uh, and I've got more videos of people saying, look, I've seen about 20 UFOs, but I'm, I'm identifying them as, as, as a carbon source. Uh, um, it has a wax light, I guess you say, and it has a signature to it. I guess, a good way to identify it is uh, have a good observation. Uh, don't predetermine that's a UFO at first. Go through your options. Um, there's a couple of uh, sites online to determine what an object is. Can you identify a flashlight from five miles away or car lights? Uh, most people can't they, they, because they look the same. Uh, but they, the, uh, the intensity, the light signature is different. Um, uh, like I said, uh, if it's a UFO, um, you know, how, how do you really know? I mean, um, I have very, on my balloons, I have very sensitive cameras. I'm upgrading, I just, um, uh, working on the technology the last past week on upgrading those technologies so I can see better light spectrums through my cameras. Um, I've been using um, a lot of the um, um, 2016, 2015 technology 
technology is really changing in uh, optics right now and, um, and trying to determine um, going back to my data maybe said that optic might be a little bit different because the optics, um, especially if it's uh, a ground optics or a crystal optics, it's going to identify that object two different things and how that spectrum goes through a light source. And I'm, 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 I'm upgrading my um, uh, optics to my balloon that we'll be setting up here pretty soon. And um, this should uh, identify if I can see an eagle or a crow from 50 miles away. So that's, that's a quite a determination right there. So it's just optics is all it is. And, and being able to uh, use a, a good computer scrubber to understand what I'm looking at. So the optics I used uh, several years ago, I, I couldn't even identify that was a bird. <laughs> so, um, because sometimes if you see a plane, uh, it looks like a bird from a distance, or a bird looks like a plane from a long distance away. It depends on how you're looking at it and what, how it's flying. Um, so on the balloon itself, uh, some of the optics uh, that I'm working on now is going to be in that, and I'm, I'm testing it up right now. Um, I'm going to be working with a drone, drone here in, in uh, several days, and I'm, and I'm working with the program so I can put a drone onto the balloon so the drone can leave the balloon and take a picture of the balloon. Um, I, I probably can do this under at least 20,000 feet, anything over there. I, I don't have enough air to grab for the drone to work, but um, it's gonna be able to go off the balloon and circle the balloon and go at least a mile out and do a circle. Um, I've been working on that program so that that work, um, because it's GPS, all of this is being able to understand what GPS is and, and having them the drone go back to the balloon. So that's that's fun. I've been working on that over the last couple of weeks. And of course, I'm working on all the other projects. And the people that are, that are waiting for their projects, they're coming. So it's just imagine. If I've been in my, my shop for a month, I can get all my projects done. But it seems like I get back a couple of days, work on it, and go get back a couple of days, and go again. And of course, I'm doing that in a couple of days again. So I don't mind. People are asking. And uh, people are inquiring. Um, we have the London uh, teachings coming up, and then we got a real good response on that. Uh, if you know anybody in London, um, um, share this now, or text them, or do something, and said that we're going to be there because we are looking for information, and and the community is information here. I have some of the information, but we need to put all this information together. So um, uh, send them and come and see us. We've got a bunch of people going. Hmm. Well, you said a lot there. And one of the things that I've learned watching you speak in, in person and also doing the podcast with you, I'll, I'll throw something at you and, and you'll share some information. But when you're in person, you share a lot more information. I don't know if that's a cultural thing or you say something about, um, you know, you don't want to share over the screen. You have like a, you know, I can't share it over YouTube and get lost in YouTube. It's very important that you show up in person. And so when you go in person, you share a lot more information. It's a lot more direct. It's a, you know, and so I see what you'll share in the podcast, but then I also read between the lines of what I've heard you say in person. One of the things that I've noticed in the disclosure space or uh, ETs, UFOs, things like that is when you and Clifford are together, you seem to be on the same page with everything. You seem to see like, oh, you know, I've heard about the, let's say the Carolina incident and Clifford and you will both know right away that it's, that it's not um, real or whatever the, whatever the scenario will be that I'll throw at you because I don't know. Uh, Clifford also has an engineering background and is a Zuni elder and uh, you know, worked in the government, very, very smart individual. 
And uh, so I find that fascinating. But one of the events you agree on is Bob Lazar. You guys, you know, you're kind of agree with Bob Lazar's story and also the Tic Tac incident and which is caught on a, on a military plane. And I've heard you heard, say certain things in, in um, you know, there could be something in the related with the oceans. And there's a lot of different questions that I, that I want to ask. So I'll kind of let you um, pick what you feel is, is most important. But when we're, you know, there's a lot of things on the planet. We've talked about peace before, and I kind of get wrapped up in a few different things. Number one, you have a 20,000 year history that's oral. So it doesn't come from books. It's not manipulated uh, through different things. You know, even as a, a white person, uh, Western history, North American, they say uh, Christopher Columbus discovered America. And the more I learn about the Native American culture and how much you guys went through, it's, it's insane. You know, apparently there was seven or eight million Mi'kmaq when, when, uh, before the British came over. I don't know if that's accurate, but yeah, I learned, yeah. Yeah, I learned, I learned more <laughs> from, you know, Trevor Senapas and, and a few other people. And Brian Francis is always posting very interesting things, but if it's a 20,000 year history, I'm so curious what happened before those times and, and what life was like and, you know, what all that history was, but now we flash forward towards today. And when I'm looking at the world and I still see all the suffering around um, starvation and, and famine and, and go into these, you know, let's say conspiracy world of who is running this planet and what's happening. Are we being suppressed? or Are we not being suppressed? Well, you look at the power of the big banks, you look at uh, these systems and people are literally starving to death. Then you get into the deep state stuff and all of this kind of craziness that you can get into but it seems like something is wrong and when you look at it, it seems like something is off and and then you know people get into politics and you know battle burger king versus mcdonald's or you know best buy versus another electronic thing it doesn't really help so that's a lot of just me speaking about what i'm trying to piece together as far as all this stuff goes but what do you feel from your history or your knowledge or your culture what can we do now what is the best thing that humanity can do, whether it's a belief, whether it's an action, whether it's a thought, to actually have peace between nations? And if there were another civilization, what would we do to actually be able to communicate with them? It's a lot of still other questions. There, but yeah. I'll try to <laughs> pick as you wish. What I heard, okay? <laughs> yep. Um, the Mi'kmaq nation. Um, we, we wonder, so the, um, uh, is there a manual or something how to be a human? Uh, there's not a, exactly a manual out there. Uh, we determine that by uh, our conduct with each other. Uh, and um, when humans uh, were in contact with each other, probably 5,000 years ago, that um, we are very superstitious people. The humans are very superstitious. Um, when they see um, the sun rising, if we can't explain that, uh, it's spiritual. It must be spiritual. I mean, our earth is not round. It doesn't spin. Uh, and so I'm seeing this great ball of light coming out of the ocean and, and giving, giving heat and we're prayed to it. So that is superstition. And our culture is, in, is indulged in it, where we bathe in it, and we, we see it every day. Um, so when we are looking at different cultures, that we're looking at their superstition and so on, 
and UFO watching is superstition because uh, we are wanting to believe the irrational all the time. It's like, okay, that's irrational. Um, don't step on a crack. Uh, don't uh, you get spill something? That's all. Or knock on wood. I, I just don't understand that. It's like, all right, I'm going to knock on wood, and, and if I get to heaven, and you know, St. Peter's there, and he says, "What are you doing in heaven?" So, well, I knocked on wood. You know, that's that was part of the part of our, our tradition. So here I am. Oh, good. Who knew knocking on wood would save us? But we do that. We do that. It's, it's embedded into our culture. It's embedded into the Mi'kmaq culture, embedded into all different cultures, that we are superstitious. And some people will argue with me right now. So, no, I'm not. There is a creator. There is a God, everything else. That's fine. And then you tell them to prove, oh, there's a book written about it. Uh, who wrote the book? Oh, man, oh, but I heard it from another person or another. I heard it from God and I wrote it down. And, and it goes on and on. I mean, this, even uh, today, uh, when I, I spoke with the second graders yesterday, uh, I went to just do storytelling, you know, and they want to know who the Mi'kmaq, uh, even the teacher had a hard time pronouncing who the Mi'kmaq was. So we, we had a lesson for about five minutes, how to say Mi'kmaq, and I'm not even saying it correctly either. But you know, it's him, you know, Mi'kmaq, Mi'kmaq, he's doing all that funny stuff. Um, but he wanted to know about our culture. Um, and talking with the, with the children and, and being able to uh, uh, offer the telling some of the stories and some of the magic that I do, uh, there were uh, wide open ears, uh, listening, laughing, and enjoying the stories. But they were also um, trying to understand who I was and who the Mi'kmaq people. Uh, sometimes they think we're, you know, uh, oh, you live in wigwams and teepees. Uh, no, no, I live in a house, you know. I eat regular food like you do, and they're surprised because what they taught, some of the superstitions about the Native Americans, that we are one with the earth, one with the creator, and I hear this a lot, even from college students, that, oh, Natives are more connected to the earth than, than uh, the regular people. To a certain point, yeah, but you are more connected to something else and something else, and, but they, they, they highlight that. And then again, is that superstition is that we talk about world peace and things like that, and, and everybody, everybody has a, um, a theory on world peace, how to do it, but nobody's done it. And they have all these theories, never done it, of what peace is. They, they attempted to do it, but uh, we didn't get our neighbors to come in. I, I said the secret is our neighbors. Um, you want world peace, you get these people the right of me and left of me, uh, even talking to me, and then offering my culture, and so I have a solution for world peace. So, well, no, I'm a Christian, but I can't do that. I'm, you know, the Creator said He's going to come down and give us world peace once we um, do something in our life. And some, most of that stuff is unattainable uh, spiritually. And we, and we look at, especially with the Mi'kmaq, Mi'kmaq did not surrender to the English or to anybody. Um, we didn't. Um, we were we were defeated in, in some of the battles, but we won the war because we're still here. And, and, and understanding that, it's like, what does that mean? Is that are we the greatest people in the world? Maybe we are, and maybe not. But the proof is in the pudding. Is that if we have something culturally that we can offer the world, how do we do that? Through this machine? 
Um, maybe not. Um, we got a lot of uh, people that go on this machine, and, and I, I listen to these people, and they have all these ideas and vibration and psychology and everything else. But it's just an idea until we be willing to share part of that spirituality with that culture. And that's what the Mi'kmaq are kind of offering here: is that yeah, uh, we're not. We have mistakes. We went through our our, our learning period, and we're still going through that. But we need help as much as you do. A mutual agreement on what that help is could be just about anything. Uh, as with the star teachings, you know, they just you know been doing this for eight years. We should have a lot more success than we do now, but we have a little bit of success here. Uh, not a lot, not not to the certain point, but it will happen. But world peace is the same thing. You got to think of that. It's like all right. If we actually have world peace, what does it mean to you? Uh, some people, the first thing is saying, no more wars. Why do we have wars? Uh, if we put a panel then had wars, uh, we talk about um, uh, economics. Um, it, it could be religion. It could be all the different things. And most likely, in what I have learned over the period of years, most likely where wars come from is religion. I believe something different than you do, and I want you to believe what I believe because I feel it's the truth. And economic-wise, uh, well, uh, maybe I won't uh, fund you. Maybe I won't buy your products, things like that. Then war start, and, it, and it's just a little thing. Yeah, some of our politicians are governments, but aren't we the government? Didn't uh, the um, way back, um, we're government of the people, for the people? Now, who made that up? Uh, did the hierarchy, uh, rich people make it up? They made it, some of them. Most of that, they, they got it from natives. Uh, that we, we look at most, most of our, our documents that keep us together as communities is, is made from natives. Uh, the Iroquois nation was a strong nation. They, they had all different nations out there thinking the same thing and voting community. It wasn't a democracy, it was a community. There's, there's a difference between community and de democracy. And, and, and people say, oh, democracy is that we can be free. No, that means that uh, democracy is that, all right, I have more money than you, so I'm going to have a better house than you and have a better car. Is that, is that democracy? No, uh, that, that just gives me the, the range of the financial. And long as my color, my skin is the uh, same color as the other person's skin, I can be in this democracy. You remember when the Constitution was um, put together? You know, we talk about Independence Day. Well, who? Well, that wasn't Independence Day for the natives or the blacks or the Chinese. We took all those people and more and put them into slavery, building railroads, um, uh, tending our crops, um, uh, doing a whole kinds of things and, and, and killing them and, 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 and hanging them and doing all the different things and, not, and because of our of, the, of our skin just being different does that make the difference in intelligence no it wasn't anything to do with intelligence it had everything to do with being able to harness that community in a spirituality looking that the, uh, god looks upon us or the creator looks upon us we are uh, the creation of the creator i'm not putting religion down to a point but you got to look into the native cultures that, yes, 
we, we are a very proud people. We are, we are proud to live. And we're also proud to die, too. But what for? You know, for, for this country? Um, maybe so. But like anything else, we have not learned the lessons of the past of 20,000 years ago. A lot of that was lost in, in what we're doing now. Our vision and our direction has changed. Uh, instead of looking at the North Star, now we're looking at Pluto. You know, and we can't even see that. Now we don't even, now we degraded Pluto. These Earth people degraded another planet. Said, that's not a planet, that's a smaller asteroid or something. You know, we never even see Pluto. We never, uh, we flew by a couple of times, but we never touched it, we never looked at it. Now here these Earthlings are declaring this planet not a planet. And what determines a planet? The humans, what the humans think they are. And, you know, we, we talk about the natives and, and things like that, that we were, um, our land was taken away. You realize we can take our land back? But we've just got to be a little smarter, you know? I, I, I tell people, I say, well, um, if, the, if people want their land back, who's going to get it first? Probably the Japanese. They have more holdings, uh, um, real estate holdings in Canada and most of the world. Did they learn from their lessons, the Japanese? Yeah, they did. Um, if, if we was going to go up there from to gun to sword, of course, the sword will lose. But let's also do something else. Uh, let's kind of own the ground we're having battles on. You know, um, humans and people like that um, see wealth. They see uh, the economics, you know. And we talk about right now on economics, the community, uh, right now that uh, our, our economics um, that we are given something now we think we ha have a hold of something but how far is peace from that you know um from your cell phone uh, you, we look at our cell phone and I, I tell people say um it gives us another thing to do another thing to look at so we don't use the mind up here um i, I drive down the road there's a law in maine now that you can't uh, be using your cell phone and talking like that didn't affect the people a lot. I was, I was down um, um, downstate uh, yesterday, and I counted 42 people on their phone. And one person pulled over, from, I, I noticed in front of me, from the, 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 the police pulled them over. So it's an epidemic, a spiritual epidemic up here without phones. They were so um, engulfed, in it, even in the restrooms, and uh, the person next stall to me, and I, I can hear him going through his phone. Um, is it this important to know? Um, and we're talking about world peace. Uh, now we have something else to do. We have our phones to tend to, to see um, if we're liked on Facebook. We'll see what's going on out there. Um, it, it is bringing community away from spirituality. And we want to be able to have community and spiritual together in our own belief, in our own direction. Um, but, you know, what the Mi'kmaq have to offer is, is that we need to know who you are and you know who we are. We are not separate from the earth, as in um, the, uh, the ones that take care of it. We also need help in economics, in, in, in spirit, and in communications. Uh, we don't have any of that, honestly. And I see all the tribes, uh, they have their casinos and stuff. Oh, we have economics, but you don't have spirituality. You know, uh, why? It's because that we balance up that system. It's like, okay, 
uh, we'll bring the dancers to the gambling place and have a stage for them why people play their one-armed one bandits, why they uh, traditional dancers out there into the um, dancing. And I know people get mad at me for saying this, but what are we doing, honestly? I mean, we keep on thinking that we're spiritual, but when bringing something like that into a casino that is so sacred to the human, to the humans of the natives, it's like, what are we doing, honestly? That's not world peace, that's not even heading in that direction. That we, you know, to, uh, so we can, so that people can come in to see the natives while they gamble. I just don't get it. A lot of words there. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, I feel, and, and again, I uh, about casinos. I don't like them. You know, even if the Mi'kmaq had a casino, I still wouldn't like them um, because it brings us away from who we really are. Because we, we're we're putting our faith into a flip of a coin. Anytime you gamble, that's what it is. It's flippable. Oh, I hope I and I don't. And people tell me, so I'm just going there for fun. You know, they're spending five to two hundred dollars for fun. Come and find me. I'll take you up on the mountain. Give me the two hundred dollars, and I can guarantee you. By the end of the day, you're going to be tired, but you're going to learn something. But we don't do that because uh, our elders, uh, our uh, uh, youngers, and the middle agers. You know, they, that's where they go. Even our elders that are spiritual go there because they say they're having fun. Believe me, if I, if I had a couple billion dollars, I, those elders, I would make sure they're provided the rest of their life so they wouldn't have to go to a casino because I absolutely hate. If you ever go to a casino, you can hear all this noise and dinging and stuff like that, but we're fixated in one direction. Now the wind, and the people, I don't care who you are, you say you're going there for fun, that's not very fun to me. Because uh, several years ago, you know, when I was homeless, a dollar meant that I, I, I can buy something to eat, you know, and I still think of that. Uh, the dollar has not changed for me. I'm, I'm doing a little bit better now, but we still have to work really hard to, to, to have what we have. Um, but a dollar still means that to me, you know. Um, somebody um, uh, gave us a stove yesterday, uh, a couple of days ago, and our stove uh, in our house is awful. I mean, there's mice that I didn't dare to turn it on because I would kill families of mice in our in our oven. And so I, I took that stove out, and somebody gave us a little bit better stove so we can eat. And oh my goodness, and thank you. If you, you guys are watching that, thank you for that stove um, so we can have hot food. Um, the last um, year or so, we've been eating out quite a lot because we can't cook in our house. And somebody else got us a grill. Yeah, and um, and we can uh, warm stuff up with that too. So that's to me, that's still important. You never get to the point uh, in your life that you say, "Oh, I'm I'm there," because uh, in a second everything can go away. And I and I appreciate all the people out there that help um, my family and help uh, us this direction all the, the tea lights and, and the, the council and the board. And I'm, I'm thinking we could not have done it without everybody's participation. It's not about me. It's about we and what, what, what we are accomplishing is incredible. Get online, look good, check our, our sites, um, uh, dare to share us. I, I tell people, dare to share what we're doing. We're looking, we are looking for that path of world peace. Do we have it? No, we don't have it. Uh, we had it, I'd be telling you right now, but we don't have it. We're working on it, though. Still a lot of words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that makes me think of a lot of things. One of them is the frustration with the, let's say, institutions or the options that we have. So, you, you know, you're upset obviously of the casino and, and what that does. And then also alcohol was a big thing too. It, for any culture, right? And especially for the Native American culture, you know, it's not, it's not an ideal option to have. And then casinos, um, you know, also not an ideal option to have. And so when I was researching growing up and just looking around and, and I, it, I couldn't understand why everything would be set up to kill me. I was like, oh, like even the food isn't good. Oh, why, why is television like this? Why, you know, and I'd learned about like the mind and how it worked and how it had all these systems for me to basically fail, not to succeed, not to grow mentally, emotionally, spiritually. I had to find that on my own and it's very upsetting. And so that's where, you know, I get into the thing of like, <laughs> I don't know the depths of what is true and what isn't true with, with deep state stuff and these old families or kings and queens or institutions or even the money system you know like that that's just one like looking at the money system and what it's doing to our planet and like you talked about democracy versus community and what money can do the more more money you have more influence you can win you can persuade a lot of things but what if you had hundreds of billions of dollars you know then you start controlling armies and nations and then you're growing that uh, direction of whatever you choose it to be, whatever your thinking is, whatever your belief is that time. And same with religious institutions being at the top. And I know from speaking with you and learning about some of the Mi'kmaq history, where you would have your own history, but now there's a lot of um, Catholic influence in your um, in the councils, and those are that's a that's kind of like a foreign thing. And the same thing in Africa, a lot of Catholic influence and Christian in, influence in older cultures and now it's it's kind of distorted and not the same thing so um i find that frustrating and also hard for an individual whether a native american which i know very little about um, but i'm trying to learn and uh being you know from my culture canadian white boy learning history but who has given me that history right what is the what's who wrote that book you know why am i being taught this in school what what end does that serve and does that benefit me and does that benefit peace because when i look at the world as a whole the example i use if, if aliens were looking down at us and they'd be like holy crap that's chaotic it's a dangerous place and if there were like the olympics out in the solar system nobody would let us play and team earth would be embarrassing it would be an embarrassing thing to say hey you know we want to play but we're we're killing each other over over different things different beliefs and as you put it the supernatural so I find all that very challenging and I would love a, I don't know if you have any solutions, but solutions would be great. But one of the things I wanted to mention was that when we were with Clifford in, in Zuni in, uh, in Sedona, he was saying that he, in his teachings, there was a time where spirituality and technology were one thing. And he said, I can take you to the places where I know there was technology. And that was in the stories. And a lot of those places have military bases on them and or you can't access them or things like that and so he was under the impression that the smithsonian and all these old organizations actually took these artifacts taken this evidence and then you've got the vatican library that's probably got all kinds of magical stuff in there we're not allowed to you know activate the giza pyramid because it would change the narrative on the planet it would change everything that we think i was being visited um quite a few times well this two times by um, Jehovah Witness. And so 
I was getting to know them and we had, we talked the first time for like two hours. They came back again for like an hour and a half and, you know, just trying to find understanding and what they believed. And I said, well, what if like a spaceship came down and, and uh, extraterrestrials were real? What would you, what would happen then? And the one guy looks at me, he's like, well, I'd have to change everything that I thought I believed. And uh, you know, so we're, we have a belief system and then we hold on to that, whatever it is. But a lot of the time, even with, my own living, I get a new piece of information that shatters everything that I once believed. So it's, it can be challenging to navigate moving forward. And so what I wanted to ask, I always want to ask you a million different questions, but you know, is there anything that you want to talk about specifically today? And I've been kind of asking different questions because I'm always curious about, you know, the native American history and culture. What can we do actually for reconciliation? Because if you look at, you know, we're at the end of, losing language and that was a system that was on purpose you know taking the schools away that was only uh, kids putting in schools that was only in the 80s at that stop and brian francis did a great documentary on it i wish he would put it on youtube brian put it on youtube <laughs> and i keep He's watching too so <laughs> yeah i know i keep telling him put it on youtube you got to get your documentaries <laughs> on youtube brian um an amazing guy and now he's in the parliament which is great but you know a lot of the native cultures are right at the point of losing their language. You know, you, there is a, if you want to take away a culture, you take away the kids. And I would just hate to see that happen. And I would love um, to start a conversation or ask, what is it that anyone can do to help revive and find the authentic culture and support uh, native American people all over Canada, USA, uh, all over the world. So, uh, that's funny that you say that because yesterday when I went to talk to the, the second graders, uh, I, I, I try to go there every year. Um, our understanding what native culture is, I don't care who you are, they, I, I meet a lot of people, the historians, oh yeah, native culture like this, but they know about the natives. Uh, and, and they give us dates and treaties and all the different things. But Really, um, people say, "Well, hey, brother, you know, you know, I'm, I'm your, I'm your brother." No, you're not. Yeah, that that is a way that to express um, sometimes. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry for us taking your land, stuff like that. Well, if you're so sorry, give it back. But that's kind of hard to do, isn't it? You know, who who do we uh, go to to say, "I want my land back. I want my land, and I want you guys out of here." Uh, Probably I might have to go with them because I, I might have some of the blood, non-native blood in me. Uh, your wife uh, that you met uh, might have a quarter of blood. Where do you determine that? Where do you determine who goes? You know, uh, where do they go? Or even the land. And, and, and I think this is part of the questions that we try to ask and it's not solvable. You know, um, if everybody left and say that, all the non-natives, and we had a system to figure out who all the non-natives, and we sent them back to where they came from. Um, probably the, where we send them, they probably don't want them back because there'd be a lot of um, culture going over there and influencing that culture. Then we're left with some um, uh, natives on our land, so we have all these uh, systems that we're going to have to um, start up again. Maybe the education, the governments, the military, uh, the infrastructure of the electricity, oil, all that. And so we're going to have to get all that back because as natives, that we, that's what we know. So if we go back to hunter and gathering, um, we have experienced a cell phone. And the cell phone uh, is a part of our entertainment, our communication system. 
Um, and then most likely that's going to go away. So that means that we're going to have to get back to, we have all these structures now of uh, buildings and roads and pipelines and nuclear power plants that we have to shut down. Um, do we really want that back and that responsibility again? Sounds really good, doesn't it? Go home and, you, and we have our land back. But what's in our land now that we're going to have to, uh, maybe we should just let it go um, and uh, no road systems. Do you realize most of the 15% of the natives would die because uh, our medical, uh, that we are uh, embedded into the sugar system, that we, we uh, sugar diabetes, um, all the different things. And it's at least a 150 to 200 year adjustment to get adjusted to our country and get back to a way of life. That's a long ways away. Uh, so that's only a statistic, but mostly that's how it's gonna work. But there's a better way of doing it. Um, a better way of doing it is that understand who we are as a native, native people. Uh, right now, this tells us who we are. Uh, you know, people say, oh, I went online, I'm learning to make my language. Well, that's good, I guess, you know, that's good. Uh, I learned my language from my grandfather. That, that was a communicate, yeah, being communicated. Um, so what is changing before us is how we receive information and how we tell information. Um, when I was talking to the kids yesterday, it was a good example that I said, I'm going to speak a foreign language to you and you're going to understand what that foreign language is. LOL. And they started laughing. They knew every one of those kids in that room knew what that was. But if you go back even 25 years and ask what LOL means, what are you talking, a different language? We, we are learning our young a different language. Uh, uh, and, that, and, I, and I said something else, and one of the kids says, well, why don't you just get an app? You know, and this is from second graders, and, uh, and I went through all that, and they, and I, I just, that's, they go, that's texting. That's sign language. So like, wow, that's, you know, I didn't know that 25 years ago or 30 years ago. So we're changing, uh, but we're, we're changing so much. A lot of that change is that our culture can't come with us. Uh, we can't communicate our language. Uh, uh, maybe we can have an app for uh, speaking Mi'kmaq, but that's ridiculous, really. That, that gives you the basic line of the Mi'kmaq, but it doesn't. Mi'kmaq is so expressive that um, you probably could not learn that most of the offline. Because people come to me and speak Mi'kmaq to me, so I learned this offline, and the dialect is the same, but the meaning is different. So, you know, so we're losing part of that spiritual uh, language through this system of uh, these machines that we are dealing with. To bring um, our culture back, um, nobody's going to be able to do that. Only we, as individuals, can bring that back. We have to step forward besides this machine and find the, like I did. I mean, I didn't, this machine didn't make me. Um, I didn't learn all my science from this machine. A lot of my technologies from the community, a teacher coming to me, and I'm writing on a piece of paper, writing back and forth for many of years. Libraries, uh, getting into the books and actually reading, actually doing the research, actually going into the chemistry lab and actually doing chemistry, actually doing the physics on paper and putting that to a practical use in a lab. 
Um, this is hard to do. We can see all this and we can see all the numbers here, but without the practical part of being out there and doing it ourselves with our hands and mind and eyes without this machine. This machine will help you, but it won't give you that direction. And it wants to give you direction. And we give it, we want it to give you direction. That's why the cell phones are so popular because, um, you know, I go through a construction site and construction site that people that manning the um, tractors and, and the graders and all that stuff while they were waiting they were on their cell phone um, looking at their cell phone that's that's scary and that's why the cell phones are killing us on the road and we keep on thinking that we are the exception on the road for the cell phones i can text and not because i can do but you never know what's going to happen i mean i don't care who you are Something's going to happen. You're going to bump into somebody or kill somebody because you didn't see them. Um, you need 100% vision on the road when you drive. You don't. Most of the vision is like 60%. Glancing to your phone and back. I see that a lot. It's scary because you can tell if somebody's in front of us. You can tell when somebody's drunk or when somebody's on a cell phone. You can tell somebody's drunk on a cell phone. Isn't that something? Being on the road and you can tell that. <clears throat> but. We have caused our own demise. Uh, the Mi'kmaq people, the humans, all the different. We because we we see something and we say, oh, we we want restitution. We want all this other stuff that that's that like. But when we get it, what do we do with it? Put up a casino. Great. Is that economics to our people? To some people, yeah. But I still can go on different reserves and find the 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 ghettos of the reserves. Uh, people that are pushed to the side that we don't want to see, including Native people and non-Native people and Blacks, all the different places. Yeah. Uh, how do we resolve that? Um, resolve that is that we need better communications with each other, not through the cell phone. It's better communications with our language, uh, with our culture, with, with who we are. You know, um, Some people don't even know who we are. I say we uh, I get a lot of um, uh, messages that I am Mi'kmaq. I want to learn more about Mi'kmaq. Um, I probably know 5% of 1% uh, of, of what my heritage is, uh, but there's more people out there that know a lot more than I do about their heritage. Find those people. Um, sometimes the reason that I'm talking on this machine, um, that yeah, I, my name does get out there, and I do know a little bit about my culture, but I don't know everything. That's what we're doing here is that part of that education is finding those people that, that do know the education and how to put those systems in place. But as uh, humans, of course, uh, that we're busy. Uh, we have our families, we have work, uh, we, have, um, we have to be social, we have to go to the bars, we have to go to the restaurants and all the different places. And we, we realize that it's not that important to have world peace. We talked about that a little bit. Because it's more important to uh, have a job to work 50 years or, or, or uh, have um, 500 likes on Facebook and walk by that homeless person that we, because we've been looking down, texting that homeless person right off to the right or right in front of you. We walk around because we're looking at our phones. You know, part is that, is that we're forgetting of that uh, human communication with each other, that kindness and compassion, happiness. Um, I, I think that, that that is the biggest issue right now that we're talking about. And, and, and I think so we should have more discussions about this and more things. And part of, uh, of the Star Teachings way is that 
um, kindness, compassion, happiness, and ego is all part of the energy of the body. Is that go to your way, do three kind acts uh, every day, go to your way to do it, and not tell anyone. That's the hardest part of doing it because as ego, I want to tell them that I'm good. Look, look, I, I gave this person some food, I gave him money. What great person I am. Well, that's just what it is, I am. And when we say I am, it's like we're forgetting about we. And it's like, I have a lot of accomplishments in my, in my life. I, I can put in back a lot of paper and documents and all that stuff. See how great I am? Uh, but it doesn't make us greater. It just makes us great to a certain point. Our actions, our, 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 how we talk to people, part of our spirituality and communications with our um, humans uh, that's on this earth is that kindness that we show and compassion. And you do get something back. Yeah, but you just don't see it right then. I, I know that a lot of people say, well, I, I did what you told me to. I wrote down what I want, and I never got it. Okay. Write it again. <laughs> and keep writing it until you get it. Do you understand that? Is that you have, and it's, not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a magical thinking thing. Okay, I'm going to think of a Ferrari. I'm going to get it. Okay, I'm going to pray. Write it down. If you really want it, for some strange reason, you look at it and keep doing it. Do it in a 90-day cycle. Did I get everything on my list of things that I wanted? No. I got about 2%, but I'm still writing it down. My life has not ended yet. And what I get is not going to determine my path. It's only part of the apples along the way. Uh, your, your vehicle is just an apple that you can eat from it. It drives you to work. It drives you to where you want to be. Uh, it doesn't make you. Um, maybe a bicycle, same thing. It's just an apple. The plane is just an apple. You, you feed you for just a little bit, for a little bit. But you have to keep writing it down. Remember what apples are. Apples are part of life, part of your magnetic system. And there's seeds in apples that make greater apple trees. You understand that? People don't understand that. Uh, because I get a lot of people say, I did what you told me, I stared at the candle, I didn't say anything, wrote the five things down, never got anything. Well, you took a break to tell me, now go, go back and do it. And work towards that goal. Um, because I, I, I've thought about that too, it's like, I get that question quite a lot. It says, uh, when I was um, in my car, uh, I think my, my, I didn't have any uh, money. I, I probably had a quarter tank of gas and I was, I was using it very sparingly because I was driving different places to park. I wasn't doing what I was preaching. It was like, do go the way your way, do three kind things and don't tell anybody about it. I did that a little bit, but at that time, I said, oh, I need this, I need that, oh, I'm so poor, uh, like this. But I was not. I wasn't really that. I, I had a car, you know, and I was registered. I, I had a friend, I had my dog. Um, so, yeah, I did have something. And, and I, I remember that night, uh, the, I'm looking at the snow, it must have been about four or five inches on, on the car, that I always kept my notebook around, and, and, and I opened my list, I didn't wrote, write in my list probably for about a hundred days. I didn't uh, revive that list. So 
I looked at this as, do I really want that? Do I really want this? And I had my car light on and, um, and they said, well, let's do that again. And so maybe I want the same thing. So I, so I took the paper, put it aside, looked at it and wrote down again and put a date on it and closed that one out and put that on it and closed my book and probably within 20 minutes, uh, something was answered on that list. Would that happen to you? Maybe not, maybe so. But you have to do it. You have to experience over and over and over what you want in this world. If you don't get what you want in this world, it's harder to help other people. It's not being greedy or ego and things like that. It's, it's being able to live in your own environment. Uh, if I was in the woods, would I want a Ferrari? <laughs> Maybe so. That'd be fun, driving around the woods. But I think at that time, that I needed warmth because uh, you you want to have, find shelter first if you're surviving in the woods. But that survivor message is the same in your world. You need shelter. And that night I had shelter. That was one of the things on the list. This is not magical thinking. Uh, this is not magic. Uh, it's not something that the spirits are saying, oh, I'm gonna, uh, because they asked for this, I'm going to make sure that person gets it. It's you. you, you you're the God here. You're the creator. You know, I can write down all those things over and over again and sit there and get 1%. That's not bad. But I'm looking, I'm, for statistics-wise, I'm looking for 10%. That means I need at least 10% on that list of, have some sort of belief. Look back and what you asked for and look what you got. It was like, wow. And we kind of did that today. And um, we went, wow. On that list, we got close to 15%. Why is that? Is it because I vocalized it? Yes. No. It's because I sat down at my jeweler's bench and looked at that list. I said, I need that, and I went to work. I looked at uh, number two. I said, oh, I need to be able to go and speak. But I had no money. That didn't stop me. We get, we get on this machine. We, I'm saying we. My wife looked on the computer. said, we have some speaking aid that we will pay 100 bucks or whatever it is. And that's part of the solution of uh, getting number one or number two, number three, that we have to do something. Uh, in on that list. Uh, the magical thinking, yes, 1%, but that's 1% of everything. And uh, trying to understand that and going to the next thing, because when, when you're down and out, when you're hungry, when things in your family, when people die in your family, when people die around you, uh, when your loved ones die, uh, you, you forget about the list. Uh, you forget about uh, where you are in the world, because uh, life and death are the same thing. Uh, we lose somebody, we, we also gain somebody at the same time. But that's hard to understand because when we're going through our pity parties and all the things that's out there that's uh, pushing us down, so I, I can't do this. If I, if I get this, I can go do that. Switch it around. Switch it around. I'm going to do this to get that. Because if you say, in order to get that, get, I need to get that first before I get that. It doesn't work that way. You do that first, and you will get that. Always. Always works. In every one of the books I ever read, is that any determination in any uh, man or woman, if they want something, if they start walking towards the direction, they're closer to what they want in that direction.
that's so hard to talk about in, in this world because I talk to thousands of people and they ask me the same thing. I want this, I want that, I want peace on earth. And we're gonna have to walk in that direction to get it. And, and, and that's the hard part because I want it now. I pray for patience every day from the creator, but I want it now. And it says, well, let's put some, because part of the action of um, uh, spiritual adventure, I call it, is actually going out and doing something and believing that you can do it. And if, if nobody else believes in you, you know, that's fine. You can believe in yourself. Imagine it. Go drive it. Sit in it. Um, if you're going to write a book, write a book. Start now. Don't say, well, I'm going to write this fantastic book next week. Start now. Get the piece of paper. Start writing it now, you know. At least you have something by next week. You have one page done. I'm the same way as everybody else. I go through the, the spiritual ups and downs. Oh, there's no God. There's no creator. I'm being punished. I'm all doing all this stuff. But it's that sunny day that I get up. It's like, I'm going to my jeweler's bench, um, and I need to be able to do something. I need to go into my workshop. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm working on electronics if I'm working on projects. So I need to be in my lab working. Uh, and you do, and I do work a lot, but there's also times that, you know, I just think of the day that it's a beautiful day. I um, might take my wife and puppy out and go to a beach or walk in the woods or something to experience the reason why I'm here. So that's a little, I hope that answers me the question, Matthew. So. <laughs> Holy smokes. I think he went uh, full on Mr. Miyagi there. I, I, I know clips of it were um, I understood and Jacqueline was actually <laughs> Jackson, Jacqueline was actually writing and saying that um, the beginning story with the cell phones and stuff is part of the, the mouse story. Yep. The, the, are the, what's, what's that prophecy? Spider in the mouse. The spider in the mouse prophecy. Yep. And I think there's a video of that online somewhere. We were trying to find it. Yes. Were we able to find that? You, you speak about that a little bit? Yeah, um, well, I have, I have in my plan on that, my list of things to do is to uh, define that story more. Uh, but I need an audience to do that. And, and I was thinking about London, maybe I can do a, um, a, a video on just on that. On that. That's an incredible story too. If you can find it online, that's great. I uh, probably won't get into it today, but uh, find that out and we'll do a, a better um, story on uh, explaining what that is. Well, you, you shared so much there. And one of the themes from, again, just traveling with you and watching you speak in person and then doing the podcast where the information is, is the same, but it's a little bit different. One of the common things you speak a lot about is community and taking action and being able to show up and being off the machine. You know, as I said, you're not going to figure out anything, you know, being, you know, being on the machine. If you want to be spiritual, be spiritual in action. And when I was in Guatemala with Carlos Barrios, he said the same thing. The new spirituality is action and we're stuck in our heads. And also too, with, you know, you, I'll, I'll throw a lot of things at you and you just say, do something, you know? And, and, and I, I believe the same thing that we're all capable of doing anything. It's just the challenge. And I think that there's a perseverance part of it. That's been my experience anyway um, of, I look at my journals and what I've wanted and what was most important as far as traveling and learning and snowboarding and, and got most of those things. And there's things now that I'm trying to readjust the list because you have a baby now and, and things are different and there's different um, priorities, right? And so, but I think it's important. I kind of been using the analogy that it's like you're in the middle of the ocean 
And you got to start paddling in a direction that you define that's important to you but towards the things that you want. And, and once you do that, you're going to get picked up in kind of like a stream or a current of the ocean in the direction that you want to go. And you can kind of experience spirit in that way. Want to say something about that? So if you're stuck in the middle of the ocean, the thing is not direction, it's the fish. People don't realize that. <laughs> what did you say? But if you're stuck in the middle of the ocean and you're looking for a direction, um, I think you should learn how to fish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that means. <laughs> don't think about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like other than like surviving and eating, if that's what you mean. Well, that's, isn't that what we're talking about? You, you, you talk about the baby, that your, your direction is different. Your direction is always the same. Um, it's just that some of the things that uh, entered your life, you know, it's like um, me being married, you know, it's like, did the things uh, change, you know? Yeah, that I'm going to have to, I'm living with a person. And, uh, and uh, the direction changed. No, the direction to me is still the same. I'm still looking in that direction. But now is that, that, maybe that I'm a little bit more have priority in that direction. It's like, okay, uh, maybe I didn't want to work on the book a little bit. Maybe I'm going to work on prices more. Uh, maybe I'm going to um, uh, do something different more. And, and when you do things more over and over and understand more things will happen. Um, it might not be a 50% gain. It'll be a 1% gain, but you're 1% more in that direction. But that's 2% in that direction. You're a percent baby's percent, or wife's percent, the dog's percent, same thing. Now, <clears throat> I think my experience with a business, uh, my experience with a, a speaking uh, and doing that is like, people want to uh, find the answer, but nobody wants to do it. They want the real defined answer. Okay, if you actually do this and uh, go out and play scratch off, you know, I'm just going to buy a scratch off each week. And uh, while your percentage is less than a percent and a half to win anything, uh, some people will look at more of the winnings. So I won a uh, hundred bucks five weeks ago, but I, but I have five scratch offs that I made. And each one of those scratch offs are $5 a scratch off. Uh, you look at the statistics, it's 15%. That's pretty good odds. But you only played it once. Now, if you're going to really do that, you're going to have to do it with some sort of system, not luck. Luck will always bring you out into the swamp with nothing. People don't realize that. And that's why I have a hard time with casinos because we're flipping a coin, hoping our results will be different. And the result is different all the time. You know, I'm, I'm, I work with um, uh, statistics with math and I've uh, worked with cards, work with all the different things out there and statistics with, with, with life and how we deal with life is the same thing, 15%. Now, if you want something, you put 15% effort, you might get 1% out of it. And if you now you do, you do the math on that, you go a step forward, do 30%, that's supposed to be 2%, right? No, it's 1%. That follows always 90 days behind you. That effort that you put into it is always 90 days behind you. It's never going to be tomorrow. <clears throat> Why? It's because uh, as humans that we forget things. I'm going to work from 8 to 5 and expect uh, results of getting paid from eight to five, uh, well, five or six day um, week, and, uh, and and whatever you do, maybe you might build uh, a uh, free energy machine, but you are getting paid eight to five each day. 
you just built a world's machine that would get rid of uh, uh, the energy problem, but you're still getting paid eight to five every day. But you change the world. By looking at that, yeah, that's, that's good, but you have to kind of change in the thinking is that you want to be able to change part of what you understand uh, spiritually and, and um, financially, but it's like we're putting, we're separating them. It's like, okay, that eight to five job is my, my business. This, um, this is what I'm doing and I get whatever that is. Maybe you get $20 an hour and you can, it, some people said, that's good enough for me. I'm going to figure that out. I can tell what I'm going to make at the end of the year. And there's my percentage, my taxes, all the different things. But, but they're not changing this up here. They, they, they just went into what they call a cruise mode. They said, I'm going to work here and cruise. I know what I'm going to make. I'm not going to take any chances. I'm not going to take any risks. This is what it is. You realize the most successful people out there take the biggest risk. And it could be financially, it could be spiritually. Um, it's the same here. Is that the Star Teachings is the same thing. It's a big financial, spiritual risk. And it's, the water is never going to be calm. It's going to go, okay, I'm going to put my ball. It's a nice summer day. I'm putting, and most likely it's icebergs going by and there's a roaring river. Because as human beings that we are in that uh, gliding mode, it's an eight to five, eight to five. That's, to me, that's um, great because I can figure that out. To me, that's not good. It's like if we're going to have peace on earth, we're going to have to have some sort of spiritual risk here. Uh, we're going to have to be able to go out into the communities. Uh, we're going to have to be uh, go around the world. Uh, world peace won't happen in Cumberland, Maine. Um, uh, my neighbors uh, can speak for that because I still haven't introduced myself to these neighbors. Uh, it's, it's the same way. Now we're going to try to have world peace. Maybe it's a start with your neighbors in the community. So I think that's uh, trying to understand that. A lot of words, again, my apologies, uh, but it's, it's the same thing. It's like, it's all attached to something. You know, we talk about UFOs is attached to something. Uh, in World Peace is attached to something. Um, in all the projects that I do, a lot of the experiments, they, a lot of them are connected to spirit. A lot of them are connected to communities. So the financial, spiritual, and communities are all affected with that, is, is all the things that I do. It's just not only connected to me. And the benefits is, is like, I'm not thinking, so, oh, my goodness. If I, if I do this, if I make a water machine for South America, I can get all this money and I get a patent and everything else and, and, I, and I can get my Ferrari and all that. I don't think that way. I don't even, uh, part of my financial appeal, I don't think. It's like, try to solve a problem. I'm a problem solver. So they have dirty water. How do you do that? You can do the filter system. Or is there another way to do it? So you don't have to attend it so much. There is ways of it. I've been working on that the last, um, uh, several months on that water machine. And uh, am I any closer? Yes, I'm closer than six months ago. Um, maybe it's 1% closer, but it's, again, I want this machine to work. I, I don't want it to be a, a, a pseudo machine. It's like, oh, it might work. And, you know, and people, I want to make sure the scientist goes into that machine, they can um, copy that results. This is what, what's been doing. And that, and the machine that I've been working on, it, it will take out 99.9% impurities of the water. And it will put a charge back into the water electrically, and it will put the minerals back at that percentage of uh, what the humans can tolerate. So I'm still working on that. Um, other things that I, I recommend people to do is that three acts of kindness. Uh, go out and do it. And a, a new recommendation, if you have a pencil and paper, this is very important. 
hour and 20 minutes every day. Put your phone down, turn it off. Don't turn it back on for an hour and 20 minutes. And that will, that will um, give you the, um, the illusion that we're in. It will give you the perimeters of that illusion, what we're, that's wrong. And uh, I recommend people do, uh, turn their phone on, put a piece of tape, hour and 20 minutes, turn the phone off. And people say, well, that's my business. Well, you sleep at night, <laughs> you know? It has to be when you're awake and not when you're asleep. That's key. It has to be during the day sometimes. So, and by your day. Can it be? Can it be right at the very beginning of the day? Does that still count when people do the morning routine thing? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> well, some a lot, a lot of people do that. They won't turn on their phone the first hour, which is good. I think I've thought I've talked about a social media detox. It'd be, and, and it'd be somewhere between ten and two. Okay. Uh, that's when the person's uh, magnetic field is most active. That's interesting. Okay. Well, you said a lot of a lot of words there. Uh, I picked up on most of it, I think. We're getting a little bit late. I do want to ask, though, Jacqueline kind of sent me a note. Do you want to say anything about the biodome? Is there an update with the biodome? Yes. Um, uh, the biodome uh, is a um, one of those uh, um, things I've been working on in North Carolina. Uh, Asheville, no, no, Waynesville. And uh, we've been working on that for several years. Um, uh, there's a person down there that owns the biodome that's been very gracious to us to uh, let us use the biodome. Uh, she's been really helpful on um, us uh, getting that technology ready. Uh, but there's a couple of things that have been happening down there that um, the, uh, she has a house that we stayed at quite a lot and uh, she has sold that house. So we have no way of a place to stay there in the environment. And the, we don't own the biodome. She owns the biodome. And some of this technology is in the biodome. And we are working uh, right now on uh, trying to um, uh, probably purchase the biodome itself or uh, another house nearby. Um, and But it's a lot of work in, in progress. So uh, the biodome right now is turned off. Um, uh, when I was down there last time, it has a a rod that goes inside of it. I took the rod out so it's not working. So the biodome is um, not working right now. But uh, we are working uh, on uh, trying to uh, come up with a solution how to get down there or uh, what to do with that technology or if we can't purchase the um, biodome or a, a place in that area. So uh, right now that, uh, that project is um, kind of up in the air and we are working on it diligently to uh, to, uh, to resolve, um, resolve that issue. So, um, like I said, that person has been very gracious to us. Uh, she's been excellent. Uh, she's been helping us the last several years. And, um, and we thank her. And if she's watching this today, thank you. Thank you very much. And we're working it on our end. So I think that's um, all I have to say. Okay, cool. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to share before we close it out? Um, yeah, I take what I said to heart about the cell phones. Turn your cell phone off. Um, I'm going to be in London uh, next week. Um, if uh, people are nearby or to, uh, to uh, send people to the Star Teachings events, um, and that could be all around the countries. Um, I know the last time that, that, that we were there that people come from other countries. Please come. Uh, that's going to be that important. I'm going to share a, a lot of the teachings and some of the technology and some of the things that's been going on in the world. I'll be talking about that. So. Yeah, please come. 
Thank you, Matthew. You're welcome. I have one bonus question. Um, a bonus question. Excellent. A bonus question. From your perspective, if there were um, advanced civilizations trying to communicate, what, what kind of message do you think they would give Earth or an individual at this point in time? Stop killing each other. Makes sense. <laughs> I think there's a funny comic out there that uh, it goes along those lines. It is a bit yeah. ridiculous, you know, so that makes sense. Okay, cool. Well, David, thank you for your work. Um, I'm, I'm aware of some of the projects you're working on and, and they're really amazing. And uh, yeah, the biodome is really cool too. And the challenge is, you know, building a technology on land that we, that we don't own because there's been times where you've built something on land that was not owned uh, by community. You say it needs to be owned by community and then individuals um, then have that land and community can't access it, which is unfortunate. And so that's kind of what's going on with Biodome now is that we would need to have some sort of ownership over the land so that it can be for all community. And that's something you've said since I've known you that all of the, anything as far as technology, anything as far as the teachings, it's for community. It's not for one individual. You've also said if, you know, if there were going to be contact and all that stuff with the UFO, UFO kind of thing, that it would be the community, that it'd be to a group of people and that the only way that any of this is going to happen, you know, moving in a positive direction is we got to do it together and we have yeah. to be kind to each other. So. I agree. Thank you, Matthew. And uh, the people watching, um, nice seeing you again. I haven't been on for a podcast for a while. Yeah. Good to see you. Well, good luck in London. I hope it's going to be amazing. If you're in that area, go check out David. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. And as always, for everything that you're doing each and every day, it's appreciated. And the same. All right. See you guys. Thanks for watching. Peace. There you have it, guys. That wraps up episode 300 of the Master Mind, Body, and Spirit show with my friend, Mi'kmaq Native American elder David Lone Bear Senapass. I hope that you enjoyed that episode. If you did and you want to support, please take screenshots, share on Instagram and Facebook and everywhere you can. Tag me at Matt Belair. I love to know where you guys are listening. If you have any questions or feedback or anything at all, just get back to me, uh, Matt at zenathlete.com, over on social media, at Matt Belair on Instagram. Let me know what you like. Let me know if you have any suggestions. Let me know if you want me to talk to anybody. Always love hearing from you you guys so hit me up anywhere on social media so i can hear from you um thank you guys for everyone who is supporting me on patreon who has helped get the show to where it is today you have all of my love and respect it has helped so much just all the little things all the notes uh all the kind words all the shares all the support on patreon it helps enough and we're going to keep this going for another 300 episodes and uh yeah i look forward to just bringing you even more amazing guests and amazing things amazing teachers to help you improve your life to live your dreams to be inspired so thank you guys so much from the bottom of my heart it's an honor to have your attention i hope that you're well you have all of my love and encouragement and inspiration and uh, well wishes for who you are and everything you'd like to bring to this world so thank you so much for listening so let's wrap this up by coming to a state of peace and coherence wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and just let it out slowly filling every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your being with peace joy contentment empowerment inspiration and ready to take on the rest of the day. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.